Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 33 of Attitude Check. Today we are continuing our series with local professors. Today we have Scott Van Ness as our guest. He's a professor at University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. And this was my first time being able to sit down with Scott, and we've actually been recommended uh, to talk to him with some of our former guests and a lot of our friends. So it's great to hear all of his insight and be able to talk to him and really dive deep into what drives his passion, not only as a professor, but in the community as well. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Scott Van Ness. Endeavor to challenge yourself every single day. Engage with your community, effect change, and produce impact. I'm John Mark Ratzbinner. And I'm Brent Sabati. And this is the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. We have the conversations that young professionals should be having, but aren't. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Attitude Check. Today we have Scott Van Ness as our guest. Scott is an instructor of operations management here at the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. Scott, thanks for being here. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Scott, as always, we like to start off the podcast with the icebreaker question. Uh, so today the icebreaker is, if you think of the phrase or if you think of the concept of, man, that is, you know, that blank is such a classic what do you think of, whether that's a book, movie, car, anything? And what's the first thing that pops into your mind? First thing that pops in mind would be uh, muscle cars. Late 60s, early 70s, uh, and that's my first Hot Wheels cars So were that. So that's what pops into my mind. That's a classic. So that's uh, if that's a, uh, a reference point for you, that's, that's where I'm at. Okay, so are you a car guy? Do you like to work on a lot of stuff? Not really. You know, um, dabble a little, but uh, but those are the ones that catch my eye. Okay. Yeah. So what what would be, I guess, two-pronged question then piggybacking off of that? What was your first car and then what's your dream car? Uh, first car was a, uh, a 1984 Ford Tempo, which okay. probably doesn't make a big mark for folks because <laughs> it, it really wasn't. It was, it was just a standard uh, sedan stick shift no air conditioning uh but it got me around that was but it was and it was i would give it about a, a c plus as a car it did what it needed to do it certainly didn't look real great but uh, it <laughs> was mean, it was all right that's most people's first car yeah. though right yeah so. oh i still have my first car doesn't look great but it's got another hundred thirty thousand miles on it there you go <laughs> so. the best car are the ones at the pink slips in the drawer at home so that's the best ones yep absolutely uh dream car uh i'm looking at Getting a um, uh, a new truck, I would love to get like either a Ford F one fifty or uh, Dodge fifteen hundred, something like that. Not too big, but mm-hmm. but but big enough that I can still drag the kids around and haul some stuff. So that's that's what I'm looking at right now. Okay, realistic dream car. I, I can do that. <laughs> I can actually do that. Yeah. Probably in another year, I'll be doing that. So very utilitarian, but the F one fifties are nice. Though. Yep, I see them all over on the road. And say I want one of those. <laughs> yeah. So, Scott, take us through the story of basically your life. How did you get to where you're at? All right. I'll, I'll start uh, kind of in adult, uh, an adult area. I went to CU Denver, so I identify with a lot of the students here at UCCS. I was a commuter student at CU Denver, um, and I, I and I worked, and I, I did that, and I, and I know how busy I was, and so I see that in the, in the lives of my students here. So after I uh, was getting ready to graduate at CU Denver, on career day, I wandered over to um, – 
the Air Force table. They were bringing in officers big time. And this is in the mid-80s, so this is a long time ago, way before you guys were around. And so I, I went into the uh, – before I knew it, I was I, I took tests, did my physical, and I was off to officer training school. Um, I remember, just a side story, when I was at CU Denver, taking the operations management. We call it production and operations management in those days. And there was this nice old guy teaching the class and telling us how great the field was. And I'm like, I am never going to do that. That looks horrible to me. And when I went in the Air Force, that's what they put me into. I went into logistics and supply chain production environment. I absolutely loved it. Did a lot of things with that in the military with aircraft, transportation, and then actually got to work on the logistics end of the GPS satellite program at Cape Canaveral. So, And that was quite different. So I, I did that after uh, 21 years of doing that. I retired here in the Colorado Springs area. I started working um, corporate supply chain for Target Corporation. I did that for about four or five years. Uh, Target has a big distribution center down in Pueblo, um, we serviced about 70 stores, 24-hour operation, just maximum drive and in a very competitive retail market. Mm. I always tell students I don't know anything about the retail end, but I know about the supply chain side and how to move a lot of boxes. And we moved a lot of boxes there. During that time fr frame, I started to teach part-time here at UCCS. I did that for about a year. Uh, College of Business asked me if I wanted to come on full-time around that time, and I did. And uh, I've been here as a full-time faculty member for about uh, five and a half years now. So love it. Best job I've ever had. Love UCCS. I love what we're doing here. And um, our students are awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. So you're a full-time instructor here at UCCS, but mm -hmm. we've heard that you have a lot of different side projects that you sure. do. Um, can you take us through some of those as well? Sure. So uh, my family, uh, we own a couple businesses. The first one I'll talk about is it's, it's called BizLend Pro, and it's a business lending pro. We call it BizLend Pro for short. And what we do there is we are a conduit between businesses that need capital and then an array of private lenders that we work with, some hedge funds, um, different things. And uh, although the economy has recovered really well, banks still don't lend money a lot to businesses. There are a lot of uh, private lenders that are willing to do things. And we kind of, uh, we, we consider ourselves a relationship business. We work, we have relationships with our, our lenders and we protect that relationship is very important to us. And then we establish relationships with our, um, our, our companies, the people that, that we work with, and we try to help them and get them the capital they need so they can go out in the market. Uh, we've done some pretty unique things. That loan business changes quickly. A couple years ago, nobody would get anywhere near um, the cannabis industry or the hemp industry. Now we actually have a hedge fund. We call it a green hedge fund, which, yeah. <laughs> and, and they specialize in, in working with those folks, and we've developed a relationship with them. and. Um, some pretty interesting projects with that. And so that industry um, is growing. There's another joke for you. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we, we've done that. And, and just about any type of business um, you can think of, oddball stuff, uh, people building gas station, quarries, uh, hotels where they need money, we're, we're, uh, we're able to, to do that. And we've worked with some really interesting folks in that. So that's one side. The, another business that we, we have, and it's a 
called a social entrepreneurship. It's a, a organization. It's called Skills Academy Day Program. And Skills Academy is a program for special needs adults who have aged out of the school system but still need job training, life skills, things like that. Our program is built around community service, which our, our, our clients get really excited about because they've been served all, all the time and now they get to serve. And we have we work with the disabled veterans, different groups around town. We make things for them. One of the big projects we did this year is a lumbar pillow for uh, folks in wheelchairs. So we, we built those. The students made those. Um, we get the, uh, the materials. They put those together. But our, our folks are out in the community a lot. And so that's been a labor of love that one has. And I have uh, children that are in the program. They're adult children that are in the program. Um, all my kids are adopted. Uh, a few of them are special needs. And that's why we built the program, because we didn't like the programs in town, what they were doing. So uh, we decided we're going to do something the way we want to do it. We had the capital and the time to do it. And so we're cranking on that. We're really proud of that effort. So two totally different businesses, <laughs> but hearts are in both of them. And then along with those, I do uh, a lot of work uh, with our OPED program, our Office of Professional and Executive Development. I do training with, with them. Uh, big, big thing I do every year, I've done it for the last four years, is the, uh, it's a series in partnership with the Better Business Bureau on retaining and motivating a multi-generational workforce. Right now, the workforce has really changed. We have up to five different workforce generations out there, and it is a... It's a struggle for businesses. We started out just talking about millennials, which was really interesting. We had a lot of fun with that. But now it's it's changed. There's another workforce generation in on top of that now. We call them Gen Z or the or the Zoomers, we're calling them. Yeah, so because uh, my son, whenever I, I tell him to do something, he says, okay, Boomer. And I say, okay, Zoomer. <laughs> so we have fun with that. So he's a senior at uh, Rampart, my youngest son is. So um, that that's become... That's another, that's like a three-month uh, project. We'll do uh, a long series with them starting in February. We'll be doing that. I, I do some consulting. Uh, and I help out with the uh, Small Business Development Center and kind of wherever else they point me around here. So, yeah, it keeps me busy, active, and definitely got my fingers in the community and still doing a lot here at UCCS. Yeah, that definitely seems like a, a packed schedule to keep yourself occupied. Um, going back to uh, BizLen Pro, okay. so how did you get involved with loans and private equity and that sort of thing? Because it kind of seems you can kind of see the, the pathway that got you started with Skills Academy and your other um, you know ventures and projects. But for me, that's the one outlier that's kind of, I'm not really sure you know where that relates to anything. So I'm not either. Yeah. That. yeah, that's it's an interesting one. So kind of started, my wife has worked in the finance field for a while. Um, she worked uh, for Washington Mutual. She she done a lot of things in that area. She wanted to venture out on her own and kind of got into this the world of being a conduit. Uh, I have I, I help in that operation as much as I can. I try to keep her in the forefront because she's way better at it than I than I am. Um, so uh, that that's that's where that came from. Uh, I never would have gone anywhere near corporate finance. It's just not something that. I know a whole lot about, but I, I, uh, I'm part of the operation. I help 
uh, especially with a lot of just the detailed grunt work stuff. And I'm pretty good at that from an ops background, kind of keeping things uh, you know, on, on the right path, on the right uh, track. But it, uh, it, it, works, it works pretty well. I've learned a ton from that. I learned a lot about businesses I never would have known. And I've been able to take that into my classes. And I think uh, the students really appreciate hearing about what's going on in the business world right now. And that helps me keep the courses current and keeps interest up. So when you th- first think about operations and supply chain management, as a freshman coming into you know college business school, it's probably not on the forefront of their mind. Oh, no. As, yeah. as, you know, skills yeah. you need to learn or a yeah. career choice as far as, you know, what am I going to do with my business degree? But obviously, it's a very important part that can be applied to pretty much every business out there, yeah. you know, especially nowadays, I'm assuming it's even more important with, you know, a global economy and a lot of um, different things like Amazon, where, you know, supply chain is obviously a, a huge emphasis there. So tell us a little bit about how the industry has changed since you first joined and where you see it going. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That, that's one thing we'll, it, in the class, we talk about that. And I'll kind of go with the first part of your question. There is not a lot of enthusiasm for this. And John Mark probably, tell you, first day of class, I always ask, <laughs> uh, who wants to work in this field? And nobody puts their hands up. And, and I said, hey, I get it. Because uh, when I first was in this class, I didn't either. I said, but I guarantee you by the end of this class, I'm going to ask you the question. At least half of you are going to say, I might do that. And I always hit that mark. So the goal is to try to build as much enthusiasm for it. Whether they know it or not, a lot of them are going to work in this field. It is a huge part of, of the business world. So uh, and, and it's important that they understand. I think the perspective that we try to bring is most of the other business classes, they might talk about profit or revenue after expenses if it's a nonprofit. This is all about reducing expenses. It's all about reducing time being more efficient. And that's where everything is going right now is in terms of efficiency, um, getting better, getting faster, less expensive. Uh, and, and the speed to market is critical right now. And, and Amazon is like ruling the world right now with two-day <laughs> deliveries. And now they're talking about wanting to get one day or in some cases two hours for things. So you, to be competitive in this market, you, you've got to have that. Um, Another sidelight, and I forgot to mention this, uh, is uh, I'm a Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt. I don't know if that means anything to folks, but it, it's, it has to do with processes and measuring and, and being efficient. That's the highest level in that. So I train in that, and now my classes, um, did you get your white belt in my class? Okay. Yeah. All right. So now I'm actually uh, I'm offering a yellow belt in there. So uh, I've added enough to the class that they actually are going to come out with a white belt and a yellow belt. That that's going to tell an employer that they know about processes. They know about process management, and it's uh, it took some work to meld all that in there, but it, it's it's rewarding to hear from students and say, "Hey, I got a job specifically because of that." Um, you know, you're piled in with a bunch of other college grads. What sets you apart? If you understand process management, you understand efficiency, you know how to uh, to, to be analytical. Um, it, it's it's uh, it, it really makes you more competitive. And so that's something uh, I've taken a lot of pride in. I'm glad I can provide my students with that so they get that. But that's the trend right now is it's, it's going to be all about being efficient. As the economy got stronger, the companies that were doing things well efficiently were able to take advantage of the market. Um, if if the, the companies that weren't, that had all kinds of, of their capital tied up in inventory, they missed the opportunity. 
And so uh, the companies that do this well survive the tough times and they thrive in the good times. And so uh, that's, the, that's the big message I want to, them to take out of my class is that's, that's there for them. Piggybacking off of that, process management is obviously a, a crucial part for, or a crucial skill, I should say, for a lot of young professional, recent college grads. So what advice would you give in your own personal experience for someone who's, whether they're an entrepreneur or business professional, of being able to kind of manage all these different pieces that's going on in their lives? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough thing. Um, and I, I talk to students a lot here. We, we talk about things, and some of it's amazing how many things they've got their hands in. They're doing so much. I'm, I'm just so impressed by this student group here at UCCS and what they do. Um, I think the message that I'm, I'm really trying to get at right now is, uh, first thing is, do not be intimidated by uh, data and analytics. Um, because right now, uh, you, you probably heard this thing about big data. Mm-hmm. You probably heard a lot about that in, in our classes. We have access to so much data right now that it is, it, it, in some cases, it's just paralyzing our managers. And, and folks that I know in the field, they, they have up-to-date information on everything that's going on. I had a manager tell me um, in warehouse operations, he's got he has like 50, 60 employees on the floor, and on his tablet he can tell exactly where they are to the plan to the second. Right there. So, yeah, so so there's a point on that. It's like, what do I do with that information? Well, you know, that's the thing is you need to be able to uh, learn to to get through the information and find the right measurements that really matter because we're getting a lot of them that don't. They're just there because they they are. And and we're five years ago, 10 years ago, we were fighting for data. Now we've got more than we can ever handle. So don't be intimidated by the data. Find the measurements that are important. That's something I tell businesses when I consult with them is only four or five of those really matter. They'll show me 20 or 30. The rest of them are are just, they're not really worthwhile at this point. That might change. So focus still on what's important. You can't get away from the core part of of the industry, what you're about, what you're trying to do, and what's good and what isn't. Because some of those things, it may not matter that's there. And then the, the analytical part. I try to bring the analytics into my ops classes in small bites because it can be intimidating. Most students don't like math. I didn't like math when I was in school. It's in, you know, and, and math is one of those things that nobody's really good at. You just got to kind of do it. And so, um, uh, a lot of students will not, will, will shy away from jobs in operations because why well, I won't be able to do the analytics. And I said, the analytics aren't that hard. I got it. Okay. And I was a, Dumb old Air Force guy. I can I can do this. Um, the the big thing still in that area is you still have to lead teams. You still have to be able to communicate all those basic things that are, are still core in the business world. Leading teams, communicating, being transparent, um, uh, understanding your teams, uh, what they need, removing obstacles. It's still that. Yeah, there's the analytics. And yeah, there's all the um, the data you have to deal with, but it still doesn't replace leadership. And so at the core of everything, whatever we do in business is still leadership. So you got to hone those skills also, and and uh, that will take you a long way. We'll teach anybody analytics. I never saw anybody lose a job in this industry because they couldn't do the analytics. It was always the leadership that, that gave people trouble. So Scott, backtracking a little bit to Skills Academy Day program. 
Um, what, I guess, what prompted that? So you said that you have, all your kids are adopted, yeah. have some special needs. Right. I guess, what even prompted that to have that sort of passion or okay. desire to reach out to them? Okay. I think we we started as, as a young, my wife, my wife, Randy, and I, we kind of started as, hey, we're going to save the world. And before we have, uh, try to have children of our own, we're going to adopt one. And so we, we did that. And we ended up adopting an older, older kid at very young age. Um, and he's, he's in his late thirties now. So yeah, it, uh, I've got kids that old and I've got a 17 year old, but kind of once we got into that, we saw that there was just a lot of need for, um, uh, foster parents and adoptive parents. And it's a, uh, that, that's been a, a really interesting road over the years, kind of how that went. Um, as we got the, those, those kids into our home, we kind of saw that, uh, um, what was provided them for initially in the school system, in some cases could be really good, in some cases could be really bad. It, it just it depended on where you lived and kind of what the school districts were doing, and that started to spur some of that thought. And so, uh, at different places, and this is when I was in the military, still different places we were stationed. We set up support groups for the parents, try to make sure that that they knew what their children were entitled to from the districts, because the districts. <laughs> didn't always tell you. Uh, we learned a lot from that. Um, uh, what they what they had to provide, what they what they needed to, and so that you know we became kind of experts at that uh, within the school system. As our, our our kids aged out of the public schools, and now they're um, into programs, going into maybe into work world, or still part of a, of a, of that. Um, a lot of these young men and women, they lose that community that they had in the school system. They were with peers. Well, now they're not. They might be in a job situation or a home situation where that that's not there. So the adult programs, that's something initially we wanted to get them into. Um, from a social standpoint, um, from a development standpoint, and just a living standpoint, that they get to uh, be part of a community. And then, then we, when we got into uh, the programs, working with different programs here in town, uh, as our as our kids got out of high school and started moving into that world, some of them we didn't like very much. Uh, we didn't like what they were doing. Um, there's a there's a lot of public money available in these programs, and and in some cases the programs don't do a whole lot. They just kind of warehouse them. They drive them around, and I said we don't want that. Well, you know, we've done this before when the kids were in school. Let's let's do this now. Let's make our own program. Let's make it right. So we built it from the ground up based on that. And um, we got people, you know, we're, we got people knocking on the door every day wanting to get into our program. We only have so much room and so much space, but it's a good model um, on, on what we're doing. And um, I know the school districts appreciate it. The ones in town here, they do a great job, actually, with the programs here. We got it, we, and and we built that community with the parents, with the guardians, the people who who uh, are part of that area through um, the arc. Uh, we have a big community through Special Olympics. I coach Special Olympics. I've been doing that for a long time. Referee Special Olympics. So that that all kind of melded together into this amazing community that we've got here in Colorado Springs that does this. And so that it's that's a real passion. Um, I think God has blessed that path w- with us because it's it's the the harder we work, the more successful we've been, the more people we've been able to help out. So uh, I'm I'm very happy that's gone as 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 well as it, it has. 
Scott, it sounds like that's you and your wife's why to everything that you do. I think so. Uh, it, and maybe we didn't maybe we didn't see that at the time, but then you kind of get into it and it's like, oh yeah, this is this is really why we exist. This is what we're what we're doing. And I don't know how being here teaching here really has the same kind of connection to that, but it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it, everything all seems to fit and, and it's worked real well. So along with your nonprofit, you're obviously very involved in the community. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your philosophy on why community involvement is important both in your outside projects and working with nonprofits and things like that. Okay. Okay. So, so one thing that that we do here at UCCS in the College of Business that maybe we didn't hear when I was a student. Uh, I remember when I was a student, we had a, a, one of our capstone classes. Uh, it was a class in business ethics and and by then it was too late. We were already ruined at that point. We already, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we got to do this too. And and here it's it's intertwined in everything we do. And we talk about this idea of triple bottom line that that you should be judged, you should be rated, you should be scored on on not just your your economic success, but also your your success in the community and what you're doing from an environmental standpoint. And that connection with the community is critical in terms of um, stakeholders. And, and who impacts what you do. So in the, um, I, th- I think UCCS has done an amazing job of recognizing who our stakeholders are in the community. Everywhere I go, I talk to people, I work at UCCS, and they say, oh, we love UCCS. We think they're awesome. I said, well, do you have students that go there? Like, no, but we love UCCS. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that shows the leadership here has gotten out and they've showed the value of, of a public school here in town because we didn't look like this 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We didn't have the kind of footprint that's there. And so the fact that leadership has said, if there's something going on in town here, we're going to be there. And you will see, there's a UCCS table everywhere and everything, they're going to be there because we understand that role in the community. And we're asking a lot of the community and businesses do this too. Every time we grow, and traffic gets worse here in Austin Bluffs. And remember a couple of years ago, we widened Austin Bluffs kind of for the school. We did that, that kind of thing to be able to explain to the community why this is important, why having a successful big public university here in town is good for the community. And, and, and people have, have bought that and they agree with that and they're behind us. And that's, that's great. Uh, and so that's a great example for our students to see in whatever they do that your business, what you're doing is, is going to make a huge impact on the community, on the stakeholders, whether you see those folks or not. And that I think, uh, the chancellor here, Chancellor Ray does a great job in getting that message out wherever he is in the community. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's our boss. He does an amazing job, and, and, he, and he puts that out there. Um, another thing I will tell you that I'm excited about here in the community is they've started this program called Torch Grants. Have you guys heard about that, Torch Grants? Okay, yeah. so it's a program, and <clears throat> we're involved in it, uh, uh, but the uh, UCCS is, the College of Business, and also the BI program, they're involved in this. But it's patterned after um, this program in St. Louis, and they were called Arch Grants, like the, the, the big the Arch Arch in St. Louis, um, that they were going to get grants together to try to bring businesses into St. Louis. And so we have that going here. Dr. Tom Dunning that's, uh, Dunning that's running the program here for us started the program. The torch is based on the Olympic torch. Mm, okay. And so the idea is they want to make Colorado Springs a, an absolute landing zone 
for uh, businesses that are in the sport, recreation, outdoor world. And the idea is they want to bring like a dozen of them in a year and they're going to get grants together to try to get those companies to move into town. And that'll be a, a big pillar in this community. And, and it's a big part of who Colorado Springs is, is, is that outdoor, outdoor world. And so uh, that I, we're really excited to be a part of that. Of the torch grants. I think that's going to be huge for the community. Well, Colorado Springs in general is very business friendly. So it's cool that that's kind of coinciding with that. Yep. Absolutely. So is the, the torch grant is being provided by the city then? No, they're going to get grants from different places. Um, uh, I, the city's involved with it and the city I'm, I'm sure is going to help show why this is going to be a great place for you to move your business. But grants are going to come from different places because then you got to, you got to raise grant money. Yeah, and you got to do that, and so there there'll be grant writing and different things. But a lot of business would say, "Yeah, I'd love to come to Colorado Springs," but you know, I, I, I and, and maybe there'll be a grant available, and it's been successful in St. Louis. But it is a it is a focused effort on that type of business, and and I think that's that's really uh, smart that 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 they did that. I think that's going to be really cool in the next few years as we see those folks come in here and and we just solidify that reputation as a, as a great city for outdoor recreation, sports, those things. We're going to transition more into our bullet questions. So okay. Scott, what is one resource that's helpful for you in everyday life? Um, I think I think one thing is is the uh, is the Better Business Bureau. We use them a lot. Uh, we have great connections with them, um, and they know everybody in the community. Jonathan Liebert over there has done an amazing job uh, with that, and and those connections have been fantastic. So I would recommend that's a great place to start for anything business-related here in town. And what is one book that you recommend? One book I recommend. Boy, this, is, this, is, this might be a little sad here. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of something. 30 Days of Kindness by... Shanti Feldman, okay, and it's it's a book about how to be kind to your spouse and things like that, and a significant other, and things you can do on a regular basis to uh, to make relationships go well. That's off track there, but yeah, I'll throw that one out there. Okay, all right. Well, Scott, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, we would talk to you for forever if we could. <laughs> Appreciate that. I would too. <laughs> Share one parting piece of guidance, the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Best way to connect with me. Uh, leave me like email, phone call, something like that. Probably the best way to reach me is by email uh, at svanness, V-A-N-N-E-S-S at uccs.edu. Um, nobody ever calls me, so that's probably that's probably the best way to do it. And I'll, I'll be glad to answer any questions or, or connect with you on anything I can help with. Parting piece of guidance is, and this is something I tell my students on a regular basis, the worst thing can happen to you is if you work for a company or organization that is not a fit with you. Please, please, please do your um, uh, your due diligence, your homework, and find out if that uh, this place is going to actually be uh, the right place for you. Because a, a job where you fit in is the best thing in the world. Uh, that impacts like 80% of your life. And a job where you don't fit in is not. So uh, I hear a lot, uh, I hear occasionally from students who are unhappy with that and uh, make sure that that is a fit. Make sure you find out about the culture of the organization to see that, that it is a fit for you and, and that you're, uh, you're going to be happy there. Uh, it makes a lot of difference because otherwise you, you won't be happy there. Awesome. Scott, thanks again for taking the time to be on the podcast. This is John Mark. And this is Brent signing off. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Scott. Brent and I really enjoyed this conversation. For me in particular, it was cool hearing about everything that he does outside of just teaching. And unfortunately, I never had the pleasure of having Scott as one of my professors at UCCS, but like John Mark said, it was a real pleasure to be able to sit down and talk with him and pick his brain about his subject matter and just see what his viewpoints are in life and giving back to the community. Yeah, and even when I had him as a professor, he was very passionate and very well-spoken and he understood what he was talking about and I, I definitely appreciated and enjoyed that. Be sure to check back every first and third Tuesday of the month for a new episode of Attitude Check. And make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn to stay up to date with all of our new content. And be sure to tap that subscribe button on your favorite podcast hosting platform because let's face it, you know you want to. Thanks so much to our listeners that share our episodes on social media. It really helps for finding new listeners just like you. And if you like what you've heard, remember to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to send it to us at attitudecheckpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.